Deuteronomy chapter 8 this morning. Pray for me, I have a mess of notes. Is that southern for a lot? Right? Yeah. Well, I got a mess of notes, and I don't think we're a mess of notes. I don't think, well, they're not a mess, but there's a mess of them. Is that how you say it right? Is that southern enough? I don't know. Did I say Deuteronomy chapter 8? I don't know. We'll see how messed up they are because it's... Beware. It's a phrase that we see uh, on the fence post of the yard. Beware of dog. And it causes you to pause and take a second and think about what do I need to be aware of? You know, in that situation, I usually look for a dog. <laughs> right? It says beware of dog. There's probably a dog around here somewhere. And in my mind, I'm usually looking for a pit bull, a Doberman, a Rottweiler, or something big. And it's a big disappointment when it's a Yorkie that comes around. <laughs> and I'm really not concerned about that. I understand the legalities of it. But, you know, but I am appreciative when somebody does have a big aggressive dog that they have a sign. Because it causes me to act differently. You know, when you're door knocking and you get up to that house that says beware of dog, you don't just flippantly fling the, the fence open and walk right in. At least you're not wise if you do. I usually rattle that thing a little bit. All right. The killer beast isn't coming yet, you know, and then maybe I'll inch my way in and I'll walk in very carefully because I know that there's potential danger. And so this morning, we're going to talk about a potential danger of prosperity. In, uh, we're going to use the example of uh, the children of Israel, and Moses gives them an exhortation before they enter the land uh, in this chapter and, and really the book of Deuteronomy, but um, <clears throat> there's danger in prosperity, and so we must beware. And so I'm, I got a pretty hefty introduction here, so it'll be a few moments before we get to the reading of the scriptures, but um, the reality is the more we're blessed, the more reasons we often have to give thanks, uh, but the greater danger that we will forget him that gave us those things. You know, there's something about when things are going good, we lose sight of the, where the goodness comes from, uh, and we need to be careful about that. We need to heed the warning from Deuteronomy chapter 8 this morning. And so, uh, just for a little context of the passage here, uh, these words are the words of Moses as he speaks them to them, uh, to the children of Israel, obviously through the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so he's addressing the second generation. And I'm going to take a little liberty that most of you understand some of the things uh, that are leading up to this, and you understand that uh, <clears throat> the second generation is there because the first generation was disobedient uh, and God held them out of the promised land for their disobedience and they all died in the wilderness. And so he's addressing the second generation uh, of folks that uh, are preparing to go into to God's blessing into the promised land. And, and so for 40 years they had wandered in the desert in the regions, uh, really just in the wilderness and uh, waiting for... I mean, what an exciting thing, waiting for people to just die off. Uh, but uh, really, they were just waiting for those folks uh, to pass off the scene so that they could experience God's goodness that He had desired for them, uh, for those that would be obedient to Him. And, uh, but they, of course, you know they were disobedient and they failed to experience that promise. But so Deuteronomy is like the final exhortation 
uh, to this generation before they do go in. And they inherit that rich, blessed land that God had promised them. Uh, And so he's going to give them a remarkable land. I mean, we'll read the description. It's just amazing. Uh, He was about to give them a lot of reasons to be thankful uh, and, and to remember him. And his people uh, often don't always do that. And that's probably the case for many of us today, at least at times in our lives, for sure. Uh, we fail to recognize the goodness of God in our life. And there's much I think we can learn from this today. And I don't, we're, a pastor would probably uh, take a month to get through this chapter. We're going to try to breeze through it today. Um, but if you're visiting with us, I encourage you to come back when pastor's here. Um, I know he'd love to get to meet you. And if he could minister and be a blessing to you, I know he would like to. And I assure you, you'll get better preaching. And, but I do want to thank you folks for being patient and uh, just so, so supportive of me as I move into this position. <clears throat> so, but if you would, we're going to read the entire chapter. So if you're able, if you would, stand in honor of reading God's Word. It's 20 verses. Uh, I think this is in your Bible's Reader's Checklist. For those of you, you might be able to check it off after this. But we'll begin reading in verse 1. It says, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness, to humble thee and to prove thee, and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that, excuse me, that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive oil, oil, olive, excuse me, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and are full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built goodly houses, and dwelt therein. And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thy heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt for, from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, uh, where, there is, uh, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna 
which thy father knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. And now say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant with which he swear, <clears throat> excuse me, unto thy fathers, that is, is this day. And it shall be, if thou do all, uh, excuse me, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, we need you this morning. And Father, I pray that you would meet with us in a special way. Lord, I pray that you would help me to communicate in a way that is clear. And Lord, that glorifies you. And I pray, Father, that you would touch hearts. And I pray that we would get serious about serving you with our lives. Meet with us now, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I came across the illustration. I don't know anything about monks, really. Not a lot. Uh, but I came across an illustration about a monk that had taken a vow, and it was a vow of, of silence. And there was one exception that every so often he would meet with the leader, and uh, so it, it came about every 10 years he would meet and he could use two words. And so he's executing his duties and, and being faithful to this vow in the monastery and, and the first 10 years comes up and, and he sits down with uh, this leader and, and the leader says, okay, uh, you know, what's on, your, what's on your mind? How are you feeling? Uh, you know, how are things going? And his two words were bad food. And uh, the head order dismissed him, and he returned to his duties. Another 10 years pass. Same thing happens. The head order comes to him and says, how are you feeling about our order after these 10 years, brother? And two more words, he said, hard bed. And then another 10 years comes by. And again, it's the time to sit down with the head and and he says, tell me, brother, how are you feeling about things at the monastery now? And his two words were, I quit. <laughs> and this is what the head monk, I don't think this is a true story. I don't know if it is or not. <laughs> but this is what the monk says. He says, well, I'm not a bit surprised. In frustration, he said, you've, you've done nothing for the last 30 years but complain, complain, complain. <laughs> Listen, even if our opportunities are limited, oftentimes we just complain. And the reality is we have very little, if nothing, that we should be complaining for. God has so richly blessed us. It's, it's hard to believe that we could be in a position to think that we're justified in, in grumbling. Uh, but when we think of the people of Israel in this passage, they had just come to the end of this 40 years. They had been wandering for 40 years in the wilderness. Uh, and their situation is quite a bit different than the monk, <laughs> I think. Um, 
they were former slaves. Uh, they had suffered under horrible bondage in the land of Egypt. And uh, <clears throat> the Lord had brought them through, uh, and He had been meeting their needs. <laughs> and we'll look at some of the examples in, in Scripture here momentarily, but uh, just he, he was about to bring them into a land of prosperity. Um, then you think of us. Uh, here we are today. We have been saved from a lost condition. If you're in Christ today, uh, listen, this morning's not really a salvation message, but if you don't know Christ, I, I beg of you to come see me or, or with somebody else here in the church. We would love to share uh, the Bible and, and show you how you can know Christ as your Savior. <clears throat> but listen, we have forgiveness of sins. Uh, I mean, we could go on and on about our list. And we've been welcomed into the family of God. And we can experience all the fullness and blessing that that entails. And one of those blessings is being here today. You're welcome. I'm here to encourage and exhort you. Listen, we have much to praise and thank God for. God is, He's just blessed us so richly. We have a great spiritual heritage here in this church. And and uh, listen, what, just think of what awaits us. As these folks were looking and glimpsing into this land, look at the land that we have to come. Uh, boy, what do we got to complain about? Uh, so, uh, listen, and besides that, we have money. Comparatively speaking, we're richer than any other country in the world. So, uh, don't compare yourself to Bill Gates. Compare yourself to, to someone else. You'd be more wise to do that. You really shouldn't compare yourself against anybody. But, but listen, we have friends, family, great memories. I mean, God's been good to us. And as the DeGarmos have only been here for five years. Five, five years. We love this place. We have good memories already. Uh, we love most of you. <laughs> listen, we're rich and prosperous indeed, truly. God's been good to us. Uh, we don't have very many empty seats today. There's some, but praise the Lord. Yet, so Moses had given them all this. God had taken care of you. God had provided for you. God had blessed you. He met every need. Yet he still gives them a warning to beware as they go in. Just as the people of Israel needed to beware, we need to beware because of all the prosperity that we have. We really, truly, freely enjoy more than, than many, many people in the world. The problem is we become, the, the prosperity becomes our focus. Uh, the goodness of this life, and as you see in the, in the passage here, at some point people flip the script and they think, well, I got this on my own. <laughs> Look how I arrived. Uh, so we need to be careful. Uh, we need to keep things in the proper perspective. And uh, we don't ever forget who gives us all the blessings. And so this morning, I'm just going to share a few thoughts, principles with you, four of them. And uh, <clears throat> pastor usually goes till 1,300. Okay. All right. I think I can do it. We're going to look at four things today. Obey. Excuse me. Remember. Obey. Thank. And then beware. Verse 1 through 5 in 
you know, we won't necessarily read all the verses again, but this is where we're going to kind of pull this application out of. And so if we're going to cultivate uh, or develop an attitude of thanksgiving or, or the correct response with our God, it's important that we have a good memory. Uh, you can't forget what God's done for you. Uh, look how Moses points them back to the things that God did for them during the 40-year period and how God had provided for them and, and met their needs. And it's coming to an end, and he says, I want you to remember those things, how God's worked. Uh, and he reminds them uh, to remember how God humbled them. Deuteronomy 8, 2, it says, Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know that the, what was in thine heart and whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And so Moses kind of starts off by urging them to keep his commandments in verse 1, but then he uh, tells them to remember their humbling or their test. Uh, God definitely humbled them to try to reveal what was truly in their heart. And sometimes we need some circumstances to humble us because it reveals things in us that at times we don't know is there. But our all-knowing God does. And so these circumstances come in our life that, that create us or that put us in a position that, to be humbled. And we get frustrated and we resist that. But God is just doing it to reveal some things. And listen, we would do good to uh, allow God to work in our lives. And he was just trying to decide if they're going to follow him wholly and obey him or not. That's what the scripture says here. Uh, I'm testing you and trying you to see if you're going to be committed to this thing. Uh, so, and throughout this entire time, God proves uh, that he's more than capable of meeting their needs and taking care of them. I mean, over and over. And uh, all these hard experiences and all those things, uh, that he was worthy to be trusted. Uh, there's no other place to put your confidence in other than the Almighty. And he proved that time and time again to these people. And he goes on in verse 3, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, uh, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of, of the Lord doth man live. And I'm sure many of you recognize those words there. Jesus quoted them in Matthew 4.4 4 when he was tempted, uh, <clears throat> when he was led away into the wilderness and he was tempted of the devil for 40 days. And he, he quotes that, that verse there. But um, <clears throat> God in human flesh demonstrated his trust in the Heavenly Father as the divine provider. Uh, he's trustworthy. Uh, he demonstrated that trust through faithful obedience to his father's commands. He just obeyed. He was obedient to the father. Uh, God was seeking to do the same thing with Israel during this 40-year period. And uh, it wasn't very long after the Israelites leave Egypt that what they begin doing? Complaining. Boy, they didn't wait 10 years to get their two words in. It happened rather quickly. They begin to complain and to murmur uh, against God and that they were hungry and, and God meets their need. Uh, God blesses them and, and even in their faithlessness and uh, they just say, Lord, we just want to go back to Egypt. Think of that. We want bondage. We want slavery. All over a bite to eat. How fickle are we? But he brings them into the wilderness, and God responds to the Exodus 
4 and 5, Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will win bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my way or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day uh, they shall prepare that which they bring in and it shall uh, be twice as much. And so this was a testament of itself. God in his provision was still testing them. Uh, whether they were going to be obedient to the process that he had ordained uh, for, as for them to gather uh, to meet their, their needs. Uh, and when you think about it, for 40 years, for 40 years, every week, a day after day, week after week, God provided. They did not go hungry. God met their need. Uh, Moses calls them to remember this. Uh, remember, God took care of you. Uh, Moses also called them to remember the other ways that God provided for them. Their garments did not wear out. Now, anybody that's raising kids, that's a deal right there. Now, I, I don't know specifically, but I imagine, I don't know if their clothes grew as their children grew. But we could buy Colin a pair of pants, and three days later, they're high waters. And he lets me know every time, right? But, so, but that's miraculous. I don't know if we fully understand what's taking place here. God in, miraculously is meeting the needs of people. Listen, we labor and we work and we earn money so that we can go to Kohl's. At least that's where Mrs. DeGarmo goes. Uh, where, go to J.C. Penney. We don't have a J.C. Penney's anymore. Oh, we do, yeah. No, we don't have a Sears, yeah. Okay. Wherever you get your clothes. Walmart. I don't know. Who else sells clothes? I try not to shop too much. But, but listen, God is meeting their needs. But what's going to happen in the promised land, they're going to have all these things met and their focus is going to shift away from God. That's where the, the concern is. But before I get too far ahead of myself, listen, God is more than capable to meet your needs in ways that you can't even understand. Do you trust Him? Are you looking for Him to do that? Listen, they walked around and walked around and their feet never swole. You go for a hike with Brother Brett? You're going to have some sore feet. He's up in years, but he can get around, I'll tell you that much. It's embarrassing. I'm 40 years old trying to keep up with him. But listen, these were things that God were doing for people that were supernatural. And God was just meeting their needs. And Nehemiah even mentions this. It's mentioned in Deuteronomy again in chapter 29, but Nehemiah mentions it in chapter 9, verse 21. Yea, 40 years didst thou sustain them in the wilderness. So that they lacked nothing. Their clothes waxed not old and their feet swelled not. Like these people, went, they wanted for nothing. Because God was their provider. And God was meeting their needs as he was testing them and proving them. And he provided wonderfully for them. It might not have been the, uh, the roasted lamb at that point, but that day's coming. Uh, it might not always be what we want, but God will always provide. God provides so abundantly here. He reminds them that uh, he's the one that brought them out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage in verse 14. How could you forget that? How can we forget the bondage that we've been freed from in Christ? Amen. And so Moses is saying, hey, don't forget that. 
Don't forget the stripes on your back. Don't forget the hard labor. Don't forget what Christ has done for you, the bondage that he's freed you from. Uh, How could we ever forget that? Yet, if we're not careful, we will. He, he leads them through the terrible wilderness, it says in verse 15. Less than ideal circumstances, I would say. If you've ever spent the night in the wilderness truly lost, it's not very fun. And I don't know if I've totally been lost, but I did have to stay the night some one time, and I was like, I'm not sure what's going on. But I had some equipment and things. It wasn't like I was just on my own. But it, like, imagine traveling through the wilderness on your own, not knowing where you're at, not where you're going. God brought them through it. And Moses wants them to remember that. Listen, God will guide you through this life. There's nothing that's going to happen in this life that's going to surprise him and going to throw a wrench in his plan. Listen, he's leading you and guiding you just like he did the Israelites. That's his plan. He's testing. He's proving. He's, he's working in your life. And he did it all to test them to see whether or not they were going to trust him and be obedient to him. I don't know about you, and uh, I don't think I want a 40 years of intense training period. When you join the Air Force, you go into uh, upgrade training. You know, get signed off and, and get your five level or your journeyman or, or whatever. And, and usually it's a 12 to a 15 month period. It, it varies from career field to career field. It can have differentiations, differences. Uh, but I'll tell you what, 40 years is a long time <laughs> to be in training. Think of these youngsters. This is all they know. Boy, if mom and dad would have just done right, goodness, we wouldn't be getting all these licks. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. That's verse 5 there. This is why they're commanded to remember. This is God as a loving father that desires fellowship and desires to be with them. And so have you learned through past experiences how trustworthy God is? Have you trusted Him with your soul? If you don't know Christ today, I beg of you to come to Him. When trials come in your life, do you take time to remember? Listen, we would do well to remember how God's been with us before because it will encourage us and help us to get through this one. Because they will come. It's an important skill to have to remember what God's done for us. Uh, But more than that, we need to be obedient. We see this, it it starts out in chapter, or excuse me, verse 1, but we're going to look at verses 6 through 9 here a little bit. And he he starts out in in verse 1, it says, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe and do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. Uh, that was why God was calling them to remember all that he did for them in the past. But here in, in, in verse 6, if we'll jump down a few verses, he picks up with the same theme here. It says, Therefore shalt thou keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to, hear, and to fear him. And so notice that word, therefore. And so understanding how a father chastens a son and remembering all of God's abundant care for them over the last 40 years and how God's provided for them for his great provisions And then for what they were about to possess, he commands obedience. Um, Verse, uh, 
Sorry, wrong page. Verse seven or verse six it says, "Therefore, thou shalt keep thy commandments." And then verse seven it says, "For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land." So it's based on what God has already done and what He's about to do. He's like, "You need to be obedient." That seems so elementary, but we have a hard time with it. We say God's the creator. We say God controls everything. We say God provides everything, yet we're disobedient at times. We need to be careful. And when you read the description of this land, I'm going to read it to you, verses 7 through 9. Well, you can't help but get excited for these people. right? I want to buy a piece of land that's about as good as this, you know. If, if land this good, I don't think the real estate market could handle that kind of a price tag. But listen, Deuteronomy 8, 7 and verse 9 says this, For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains of depths, and that spring out of the valleys and hills, and a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills... Thou mayest dig brass. What a blessing. God offers that in the Christian life. And really, He offers that in eternity. We have a place to look forward to. But listen, he, this is Moses. This is God speaking to these people that were slaves for years. And they had been in the wilderness. And now he, there, He's telling them there's going to be a land of, with plenty of water. They had a hard time getting water at times. There was uh, plenty of produce. Uh, there's no lack of fruits. Uh, more than enough resources uh, of the natural resources that you'll need. Uh, what a wonderful gift with God, God was given them. What a rich blessing He was pouring out on them. And it was all a free gift of His grace. Uh, a free gift of His grace. All... Uh, that rich blessing was being presented to them as a reason why they were to obey Him. Follow me here. I want you to think about it for a minute. They were not called to obey Him in order to receive all this as if they were earning it. Their obedience wasn't earning this. But And hopefully I can clarify that here in a moment for you. <clears throat> they were called to obey Him because He was already freely giving it to them. They were to obey Him as a response to His grace toward them. It was grace. This is, uh, I think it's the proper order of what we see in the Scripture. The Apostle John says this in 1 John 4.19, we love Him because He first loved us. And so God showers His grace upon us and He calls us to Himself. And, and uh, what a blessing to know that that's the case. We never earn His love for us by our love towards Him. We can't earn God's love. Our love is always a response to the fact that He first loved us. For this is the love of God, but this is the flip side of this. And so, for this, for this is 1 John 5 and verse 3. It says, for this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And so now we're obedient and we keep His commandments because we love Him. Uh, and look at this. This is the best part. And his commandments are not grievous. Oh, I got to be faithful at church. Ugh. Listen, it's a blessing being here. You guys sound a little bit quiet and stiff this morning, but I'm enjoying myself. 
And uh, so do you remember what God's done for you? Are you being obedient to the commands that God's given you in his life through his word? Those two things really sum up and help us cultivate a proper response to the goodness of God in our life. Remember him and obey him. But I want to give you one more thing out of verse 10. Well, there's two more things. This is one, there's another. How many, I don't know how many times you can say one more and then keep saying that. Anyway, verse 10, it says this, When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord God for the good land which he hath given thee. So they're given a command here to give thanks, to bless the Lord. Uh, we tend to thank God for uh, before we start our meal. I know in our house that's uh, pretty normal. Before we eat, um, you, you pray and you give thanks. Uh, but here the example is, it says, when thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord. And so in this circumstance, it sounds like you would give thanks after. And I think that just falls into, in everything, give thanks. Before, after. Uh, you guys are a tough crowd. But here, the, the word that we see here, that the word bless, it's barak. I don't have, I'm not a Hebrew scholar by any means, but that, that's the Hebrew word. So I'm sure there's a little more. <coughs> but um, Barak. Uh, but it's related to the Hebrew word kneel. I don't want you to miss this. To bless in the sense means to adore with bended knee. It's not some ordinary table grace or thank you for this food. Blessed to our bodies. Amen. This is on bended knee saying, God, I thank you. Because I think you truly acknowledge the fact that you're full and you're blessed and God has, has met your needs so far above and beyond that you have nothing else but to do but fall, fall, fall before him and give him praise and adoration and thanksgiving. Listen, it's all about him. But we are often flippant because we eat every day. I guarantee you, you go to a place in the world where you're not eating three squares a day. When you get one, you're going to be a lot more thankful. But because we expect to open the refrigerator and mom stocked it. Or the wife has stocked it. You know, my kids, they get a little cantankerous when the snacks aren't just right. <laughs> we take it for granted. But that God is still providing. Amen. Nothing's changed. That stuff's in the fridge. It's in the cupboard. It's in the pantry because God allowed it to be there. Amen. And so we should never forget that. And so when we bow our head to give thanks for a meal, remember that there are people that aren't eating. And don't forget that God has provided that for you. The idea here is that they're acknowledging that God truly is the good provider. When you're full, uh, that's the time to bow down and to give Him worship and praise Him and thank Him for His goodness. As God's people, we enjoy the riches He pours out on us. And it's different. We know that there's the prosperity of the wicked. But what does it say there? Consider their end. 
we can go about this life with all of these rich blessings knowing that it's only getting better. And this isn't in my notes, and I know i got to hurry up here, but um, I'll never forget an illustration I heard, and many of you have probably heard it. Um, but there was somebody, and I don't even know the particulars, but I just, I'll never forget, some of you have probably heard, hold the fork, the best is yet to come. Has anybody heard that? So they were at a meal, and they were eating, and somebody, oh man, that was delicious. And the, the host had come, and they were collecting all the, the dishes and things, and and he went, one of the gentlemen went to hand his fork over. And she said, no, hold the fork. The best is yet to come. Listen, if we think God's been good today, hold the fork because the best is yet to come. We have no, our imagination can't fathom the goodness of God that's to come. And so don't forget that. Remember to give him thanks. We read in this passage that you find that the people of Israel permitted to eat to their full, verse 12. They're going to get goodly houses, it says. In verse 12, they're going to be able to dwell in those. Their herds are going to multiply. Their flocks are going to multiply. Even their silver and gold is going to multiply. And it says, even see that they will multiply. Everything's just going to be, we're not talking addition. We're talking multiplication here. That's big stuff. I remember when I was in grade school and I started doing multiplication. I thought I was a big kid. This is a big deal. Uh, things start growing rapidly uh, in multiplication. Uh, that sounds a lot like life in America. We're, we, we got it good. Uh, it, I just want to emphasize that verse 10 is a command. You shall bless the Lord your God. Don't forget to give God thanks. Obviously, we, we ought you know, to have a right relationship with our Lord. We need to be able to give thanks. But as we close here, I'm going to give you a, a final few thoughts, actually. I think we'll be out of here on time. But the last one's beware. And this goes from verses 11 through 20. And so we're going to kind of catch some highlights as we go here. Uh, <clears throat> But you see, there's danger in this land of plenty. Um, the danger is that in the midst of all of this, that we will forget God. We will not remember what He's done for us. We will become disobedient to His commands. We will neglect to give thanks uh, because we've forgotten Him. Uh, I, I can't help when I think of this warning here, but think of King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, in the book of Daniel. God made him the greatest king at that time. God lifted him up. But what does he say in Daniel 4.30? It says, The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Boy, somehow things got upside down with him. And I know it's, it's a little bit different with him as a, uh, <clears throat> a, uh, a heathen king, but uh, God's answer to him was, most certainly you are not. <laughs> and when you talk about God knows just what you need to be humbled, Nebuchadnezzar went around for seven years like a beast of the field. 
And so I don't know for you in your life what circumstance God has to bring about in your path to humble you, but I guarantee you this, he's able to do it. If he could take a man and have him wander around the wilderness like an animal, I think he's able to get a hold of each and every one of us and humble us. And so we need to beware. Don't forget it's that the Lord, that he has done this. As the recipients of God's rich blessings, we need to be aware. And there's three key areas here that we find in this passage, and it relates to the points that I have. Um, But if we remember God's past goodness to us, obey His commandments to us, and thank Him for all the riches He pours out on us, we will be doing all that we can to beware. Right? If, we, if we're executing these things in our life, uh, that's what helps us to beware. Uh, because we're not forgetful. Uh, we are obedient. And we are giving thanks. And that's how we really respond in, in being aware uh, of what could potentially take place in our lives. It's when we can be negligent in one or even all of the areas that we begin to have a problem. And we see the example here in, in verse 11. It says, Beware, uh, thou forget not the Lord thy God in keeping His commandments and His judgments and His statutes which I command thee this day. And so here we see uh, the need to, to continue to obey, uh, to keep His commandments. In verse 17, uh, he says, Beware lest you forget. And it says, And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this. Here we see the need for actively recognizing where the gifts come from and thanking God for those things. In verse 19 and 20, it says this, And it shall be, if thou do all uh, forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. And so here we see the need for remembering God's past demonstrations of His gratefulness and faithfulness. Listen, judgment will come if we are negligent to remember our Lord. And so as we close this morning, I just want to give you a couple closing thoughts here. Let us keep in mind the hard times and what they're for. We often don't enjoy them or we don't want them. Uh, But they're intended to humble us and to train us to trust Him. Uh, And to lead us into a a greater relationship and and really to lead us into His blessings. And so don't forget that when things get hard, God hasn't forsaken you. He hasn't forgotten you. He's just working in you. And sometimes we need to let patience have her perfect work. I mean, God allowed them to go hungry for a while. You know, I mean, that as a parent, that's kind of hard, you know. I don't know. I don't tend to just six hours, bud. I know you're hungry now, but wait. I didn't want to do that. I cared for him. But God knows best. And if them abstaining from some sustenance for a while was what was needed, boy, we need to trust him. Because we always want to be fat and happy all the time. Full plates, everything. Big gulp, maxed out to the top. That's how we want to be, but that's not how God works. 
And so don't forget those things God is allowing because he's working and he's doing something in our life. And so if we would allow him to take us through these humbling process, through these trials and, and these, those things, uh, it, it will just give us a better sense of, or it will wean us from our sense of self-sufficiency. We tend to figure, try to figure things out on our own and it will force us to depend on his sufficiency. And that's really what God's trying to do there. And he's trying to prove them. He's humbling them. First Peter 5, 6, and 7, Humble yourselves therefore before, or, uh, therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Sometimes we just need to humble ourselves and give it to God. The problem is we want the exalting out of, out of time. And then here, secondly, as we prepare to close, don't ever forget that the blessings don't ever come from your own efforts. Sometimes we get confident in our physical abilities and the things that we're able to accomplish. In verse 18 it says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is He that giveth thee power to get wealth. You can't get anything without Him. The fact that you have the ability to wake up and go to work and earn a paycheck is because God gave it to you. And so don't forget that. So even if you earn it by your own labors or your own creativity or you're some type of genius, you got some, ingen- uh, some invention, we must never forget where that came from. God ultimately gave you that ability. Uh, he gave you the strength for your labor, the wisdom for any plans that you have. Uh, we are always ultimately dependent on Him. 1 Corinthians 4.7 says this, for, we, or excuse me, for who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? It all comes from God. You have no ability in and of yourself to accomplish anything. The fact that we were able to wake up and breathe this morning was by the grace of God and His love for us. And so finally today, as we think about the rich blessings of God in our life and uh, if we were to ignore Him, we find in verses 19 and 20 that Moses warns uh, that if they forget God, he can turn away and turn to other gods that he will deal with them. And it says they will perish, just like the other nations. God was not being harsh here. And he's really not being mechanical about it. Uh, He's very fatherly here. There have been times in in child rearing where I've had to do things for my boys that I didn't even necessarily want to do. But as a dad, I needed to do it. Because they needed it. And so... God isn't doing these things and, and He's not going to pour out judgment or chastisement lightly. Again, He's doing it as a father because He loves you. By God's grace, may we keep these things in mind and never forget and avoid the danger that comes from living richly in the land of plenty. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. Lord, you know my heart, and I just pray that you'd bless. Lord, I pray that you would just use your word only as you can. And Father, you would be preeminent in everything.
And Lord, I pray that we would truly never forget what you've done for us. And Lord, that we would remember where you've saved us from. Lord, that you would help us to be obedient to your commands and that we would give you thanks for all that you do. And Father, Lord, that we would just be aware that there is danger in being complacent in this Christian life. Lord, help us to never forget. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.